0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to DC Talks Rocks. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman, and on this episode, we are continuing our series on Colorado Rockies wild cards, that is, players with a wide range of potential outcomes in 2022 that could impact the Rockies one way or the other. If these players really don't end up having very good seasons, don't end up breaking out or taking that next step, well, then the Colorado Rockies are likely to be stuck as a mediocre team at best. If some of these players, certainly if all of these players, sort of maximize their potential, then they've got the possibility to surprise some people. Of course, I'm saying all this without knowing entirely yet how the rest of the offseason is going to unfold uh, with either the Rockies roster or anyone else's for that matter. There's a lot left to play out here. And so saying, you know, what exactly it would take to make the Rockies competitive or not is always a little bit difficult. But on the other hand, there's almost always for most teams in baseball, a series of players like this, that if they maximize their potential, that team is going to do a lot better than they look on paper. And if they don't, then well, well, then they won't. You know, there are some teams with the big budgets and the star players and the You basically know what you ought to expect, and with teams like the Yankees or the Dodgers, you go, well, as long as they're healthy, they're going to be very, very good, but for most of the rest of us, there are a lot of these types of calculations, and so I'm going to keep moving forward here throughout the days and weeks to come and and highlighting some of these players for the Colorado Rockies, talked about Sam Hilliard yesterday and we're sticking with the outfield today going with another outfielder who's right in that same age range and uh, a lot of question marks to, despite the fact that we've actually seen quite a bit of him you know I've talked quite a bit about him and this was one where I've got all kinds of thoughts so let's not delay it for too much longer and get right into talking about Rymel Tapia. Tapia is a 27-year-old outfielder in the Colorado Rockies organization. He will turn 28 in February, just like Sam Hilliard. So he is in the middle of his physical prime. uh, And we have seen him for quite a bit longer. He's made his major league debut way back. It feels like forever ago now, doesn't it? In 2016, and has since played in 439 games for the Colorado Rockies made 1,425 plate appearances, uh, really scattered across uh, these seasons from 2016 to 2021. He really only became a regular starter in the pandemic-shortened 2020 campaign, and that was still like about a week into it. But since then, he's been basically the everyday left fielder for the Colorado Rockies when healthy. He did have more health issues in 2021, which is one caveat that I want to leave over the entire conversation, which makes a lot of this a little bit difficult to parse out because as much as we do have much more of a sample size here with Tapia, it's also a sample size built on very different intentions at the plate and very different states of mind for the player. So let's go through it. I don't really have time to rehash. All of the minor league career, except to say that, uh, you know, if you've heard me talk about Ram Altapia before, you know exactly what he was in the minor leagues. And that was the absolute best version of what we saw a little bit this last year in 2021 an extraordinarily low strikeout rate, a remarkable contact rate, and uh, really an ability to be a consistent threat from game to game. He, He doesn't go into slumps, right? He'll certainly go into times where he's not hitting as well and times where he's not slugging at all. But in terms of, you know, going four consecutive games without a base hit, he doesn't do it. It just doesn't happen for him or or getting on base. I still think at the major league level in the last couple of years, he hasn't gone three consecutive starts without I'm sorry, four consecutive starts without getting on base. So th- this is the player that we're looking at here. He doesn't hit a ton of home runs right? We know that. He doesn't slug much. They did try earlier in his career uh, to get him to do some of that, and that's part of what makes this player analysis uh, a bit more complicated and uh, a bit more interesting, because I know there's a lot of people out there uh, who've only studied Rymaltapia from a statistical standpoint, and I know that there was a uh, national person who went viral this offseason for uh, his Rymaltapia takes, which is always really funny to me when somebody says 90% of what I've been saying for years, and it sort of goes viral. Uh, <laughs> like, all right, uh, okay, sure. Uh, but the essence of the conversation around Rymaltapia is mostly correct. I mean, there's definitely the people out there who think he's absolutely a bomb and not worth anything, and, and y- you can only do so much with those folks. But the idea is essentially captured on his baseball savant page, Right. He has elite sprint speed in the 81st percentile, so near the top of the league there. But of course, his most elite skill is when it comes to making contact with the baseball. He strikes out 13% of the time this last year, and that's in the 96th percentile of Major League Baseball. That means that only 4% of major leaguers are striking out less often than Ryan Tapia. And remember, he often leads off, which means he gets a lot more opportunities and he doesn't walk very much. So <laughs> that's another thing. Uh, and, th- and then just in terms of general whiff percentage, so not just is he you know striking out at the end of an at bat, but how many times throughout the course of an at bat does the pitcher have that really satisfying feeling of having produced a swing and a miss? Well, very rarely with Altapia, His whiff percentage is in the 95th percentile. So only 5% of major leaguers are swinging and missing less often than Altapia. And of course, there's all the stats on the flip side. His average exit velocity is in the bottom 5th percentile. He is not hitting the ball hard at all on average. Um, his hard hit percentage is in the 11th percentile. His expected slugging percentage in the 3rd percentile. Yeah, only 2% of major leaguers are expected to have a lower slugging percentage than Rymel Toppy, and a lot of that, of course, has to do with his launch angle, which was at times negative uh, throughout the season. In other words, he hits the ball into the ground way, way too often. Now, this is undisputed. For whatever reason, there seem to be a, a group of people out there who think that if you're particularly enamored with a player or if you like their play style, that you think that there's no room for improvement, or that some of the obvious things uh, aren't true. Of course, look, this has always been the case with Ramal Tavi, and it's not just him. There's a lot of players out there for whom making contact versus producing power is a trade-off. It's always been this way in Major League Baseball, And, and for some reason, there are folks out there who only look at the output and the statistics and don't think about the intentions of the person at the plate, and somehow this, and this is really strange to me, outright reject the notion that a player trying to hit for more power is going to cost them in terms of their contact. There are some guys who've managed to figure out how to do both at a really great level. And those guys are superstars, right? And this has always been strange for Tapia because his body type is right in between. these. Legitimately tall at six foot three, but he never really filled out. He's sitting at 175 pounds. He's got some strength in that bat and and we've seen it. In fact, his maximum exit velocity in the 70th percentile. That's right. When he really leans on one, but that tells you that 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 proves exactly the point I'm trying to make here, right? In order for Tapia to hit the ball really hard, which he can do, his max exit velocity in the 70th percentile. That's very, very good. Not quite elite, but very, very good. But that's when he's trying. That's when he's got Jacob DeGrom. And most you know, most of his home runs this last season came off of these superstar pitchers. He's got DeGrom on the hill, and he really tries to work underneath the baseball, the walk-off that he had, where he was trying to hit a home run, where most of the time he goes up there trying to make contact, spray the ball around. Maybe beat out a grounder or, or slice one down the line, which is going to be a double or a triple for him. Right. And so it's really interesting because it has and also hasn't worked to an extent. He's you know, got that strikeout rate down. But the batting average at 273, you know, if if you're gonna be a batting average guy, and there are a lot of people who just won't even accept that as a premise, but if you're going to be a batting average guy, it's it's gotta be better than that. It's gotta be closer to the three twenty-one that it was the year before in 2020, and so he still needs to find the happy medium there, and a lot of that is going to be about not hitting the ball into the ground quite so often. He's going to need to produce not necessarily a ton more fly balls, but a lot more line drives, and this has always been the case uh, with Tapia, you know, but for the first couple of years of his career, they were really trying to see if he could become that power guy, and so his strikeout numbers were a lot higher in the major league levels than they ever were at the minors. uh, He, you know, managed to hit for It's kind of some decent pop in 2019 going nine home runs in 138 games. That's that's not bad, right? And he even kind of got off to a hot start this year and and hit some home runs early. But that's not, in my estimation, not necessarily what you want out of the guy. If he ends up being a 10 to 12 homer a year guy, you can accept that if all of these other things fall into place a little bit better to where they need to be. And I do think... Uh, Tapia can get up there to the 290 to 300 and, and really should be over 300 batting average uh, area because of the contact skills. Because I do think he's going to make those adjustments to hit the ball in the air a little bit more often. Again, he's made adjustments every single year, and you can just look at either his baseball reference page or his fan graph page, whatever you want, and see the variance between the strikeout rates or the contact rates or the slugging rates. And, you know, he's very clearly trying different things at the plate. And, you know, I, I, think they still need to, and, and still needs to be, that's the interesting thing, right? is, is he's always been making these adjustments uh, and I still think that he's going to come back, but I think they've recognized that the long ball should be an occasional part of his game, but he does need to get more solid contact on balls in the air. He's got to play gap to gap. He's got to find those edges and, and get his slugging done that way because otherwise he is a very valuable player now pretty much in all the other aspects of the game you know he had a 20 stolen base season at an extraordinary clip and now actually for the last three years you know the stolen base is a part of the game that in many ways has has gone away Um, a lot of people don't even try it anymore because the statistics suggest that you have to be incredibly successful, basically over 75% for it to be worth it. And Tapia is and has been now consistently for several years. And so he brings that element. Uh, The metrics really like his defense now. There are some things to like, some things not to like out there. You know, again, back to baseball savant, it has him about at an average jump on the baseball, but that his outs above average are in the 74th percentile. So again, well above the major league average when it comes to going and getting it. So that brings up a lot of questions about how and where and if Ramaltopia can be utilized this upcoming season. So there is a school of thought that says in order for Tapia to truly maximize his potential with this kind of profile, because he's not going to hit for a ton of power, he needs to play a more premium defensive position. He needs to settle in at center field, take over there, and then you can really accept that his bat is primarily contact if he can translate his above average play in left to center. Now I will say this. One, I don't think that it it's going to translate quite so easily and two i don't think his coaches have the full faith that he can play center field and so i get why then there's a grouping of people why a lot of people who are of that school of thought also believe that it may be time to trade ryan altapia perhaps for some help in the bullpen because with his overall statistical body of work you're not going to get a ton for him right you're you're really not so i understand but i also don't think that trading rymaltapia is going to be a a major solution for any of your teams more than uh for your team i should say any more than certainly not more than if he can just take that next step continue to adjust and maximize his potential and then you've got this guy in your roster who really doesn't you're not paying him anything doesn't cost much he's uh, still under team control for the next two seasons and you know, he provides you with this element in, in a number of different aspects of the game, even if sometimes that just means if, if he does get usurped by other people on the roster that you're using him off the bench, you know, runner on third base, late in the game, one out, you know, Raimal Tapia has nearly a 100% success rate at bringing in that run. That can be important, you know? So, Whatever it may be, but I don't think that playing him in center field is a realistic option. I think he's going to have to stay out there and left if you're going to keep him. And so, I'm also of the mind, you know, I, I think that I understand that sort of old school traditional mindset that left field is a is a power position. The Rockies need power, and they should probably go out and get it in the outfield. So I'm actually in agreement on all of that. <laughs> uh, but I don't think that you know anymore. I I, I see them as different and separate puzzles to solve. Now, they all need to be solved, but your defense, your offense, your starting pitching, and your bullpen, right? And so for me, if Ramel Tapia is a plus defender out in left where he's comfortable and he's given you, and, and left field at Coors Field is one of the toughest left fields in baseball to play, let him do that where he's comfortable And be the bat that he's going to be, which again, I do think it's never going to be a huge OPS plus or WRC plus bat. Never going to be that. But if he can stick at the 13, 14% strikeout rate, get that batting average and on base percentage bumped up 10, 12, 20 points, you know, and maybe a little more consistent slugging. Yeah, not necessarily ball over the wall, but ball in the air. So it's getting over the infielder's heads and allowing him to use those legs to run around And, and again, use his speed as a major skill, whether it's at the top of your lineup or eventually your lineup gets good enough so that you can slide them down more to the bottom to be kind of a secondary leadoff man, whatever it may be. Let me also put it this way. The Rockies lineup is not one or even two guys away from the point that Tapia wouldn't be a plus over whoever else is around. This is where you, you know, you go and you look, I really like Jonathan Thandaza. But, I, uh, you know, I, I think, and there may be a lot of people who feel about Tapia the way I feel about Daza. In fact, I know there are, which is essentially, he's got speed and defense, but he's I don't think he's going to hit, like, at all. Um, you know, Daza has even less power potential than Raimal Tapia, and while he's gone through some nice stretches with contact, he certainly hasn't proven it nearly to the extent that Tapia has. It's possible, but... You know, it's Daza one of those guys who I would like on the roster if there's a twenty-seven man roster. Somebody who can absolutely be just a defensive replacement late in games because he's got a phenomenal glove, great speed, really good reads on the ball, fantastic arm. But I just, I just don't like. I just don't think he's going to get it at the plate. You know, Garrett Hampson, I'm having similar feelings about these days. You know, we, we and and against right-handed pitching, he's just struggled so much, and that's the vast majority of pitchers in Major League Baseball. So I like that he can play a lot of different positions. I like that he's defensively very good. But the bat, you've got to trust Ryan Tapia's bat more than those two guys at this point. And I would say you've got to trust it more than Sam Hilliard's. But Hilliard, as we've already talked about, you know, has certainly a higher potential to reach there and has proven that he can play center field. Of course, those of you really smart baseball people know that you need three outfielders, and the designated hitter is almost certainly coming to major league or to major league, to the National League in 2022. And so, Charlie Blackman—is he your regular right fielder anymore? Or are we going to see him taking more and more DH appearances? And then the only other outfielder currently on the major league roster is young Ryan Valade, who's still got to prove that he belongs at the big leagues. At all, so if you're trading Reymont Tapia, you better be acquiring two outfielders to come in and play regularly. Unless you really are just expecting Charlie Blackman to continue to be an everyday outfielder at Coors Field half the time at his age, which I don't think is a good idea at all. So for me, having Hilliard and Tapia as regulars in your outfield still allows you. To go out and acquire a player, whether it's a guy who plays in right as a as a big bat to help again answer some of that question of where are you getting power if your left fielder really isn't bringing it, go get a right fielder who can bring it, and let Charlie DH most of the time, and they can maybe switch back and forth on, on DHing, depending on the age and you know who that who that right fielder is, or maybe it is a center fielder. And you can move Hilliard around a little bit. Um, Maybe it's a slugging shortstop. I can think of one. But wherever else you're going to get your power, and they would need to go and do that, again, if they're going to compete right away, which is very unlikely. But if that's what they're trying to do, this is your way to, I think, finagle into it. You've got to take advantage of guys on your roster like Tapia, who cost you nothing and who no one's expecting to have a huge 2022, Right. And so if he puts up the 80 OPS plus that he did this last year, next year, I think the average baseball fan and the average Colorado Rockies fan will go, yeah, I know. That's exactly what I expected. That guy's not good. Got to get rid of him. If he puts up the 98, he did the season before in a, in a short and truncated season, but still Now 98 OPS plus is still going to have the analytics people treating him like he's nothing special whatsoever. But you and I, we will all know if he's done that, if he's batting 315 for the season, if he steals 25 bases, hits 10 to 12 home runs, uh, you know, really maybe bumps up the walk percent just a little bit, but the on-base percentage in general because the batting average is up by so much, plays a fantastic left field, sets the table, stays healthy so he does avoid the handful of slumps that he actually did go into this year that always followed these injuries and, you know, made for these periods of time where he wasn't in there doing the thing that he does best, which is being a consistent pest for the offense. That when anyone else is in a slump, and again, this is the difference between people who can just look at a page and look at a bunch of numbers and the people who can do that and also watch all of the games. If you watched, if you were like me and you're one of the people that gutted through every single one of those games in 2021, you can think right now off the top of your head five, six, seven games that the Rockies won when Raimel Tapia was essentially their only offense, right? Where he'd get on base, steal second, move over on a ball in the dirt, come in on somebody's ground ball to second, and then the Rockies would just get fantastic pitching that day, and that would be the ball game. A couple of walk-offs. He had a walk-off base hit. He had a walk-off home run. He's a driving engine for an offense, especially in these, this day and age, if I may sound like an old man for just a second, where so many offenses don't even function that way. They just wait for the big home run. And maybe the Rockies can get enough power hitters between now and the next time they're playing major league baseball games so that they can try that strategy. But I don't think so. I don't think they've got the money or the resources to that dramatically change their offense into one where everybody's just got the capability of going yard at any time and that's how you're going to win baseball games could be wrong they could be a lot more aggressive and, and surprise me on that at which point they wouldn't need a player like Tapia but as long as they're going to be kind of piecemealed together sort of strategically they're going to need to sneak up on people that's just that's just it and Raimel Tapia is one of the best types of players for sneaking up and winning games that you had no business winning because all of your power hitters were in a slump. And Trevor Story went, he's not going to be on the team anymore, but this last season, Trevor Story, how many golden sombreros, four strikeouts did Story have this last year? I'd have to go and look. I would put the over under around seven. Raimel Tapia has never struck out four times in a game at the major league level ever. Not never. And so, again, it's like when those guys, you know, back when Nolan would go over 20 for a minute, you know, Charlie Blackman's having a few of those longer slumps now. When your offense doesn't have that anchor and there's somebody out there who's still just getting on base and managing his way out to second to see if whatever happens, ball in the dirt, sack fly, whatever. And now you've got yourself a run. And with the pitching staff, sometimes that's all you need. And sometimes you need way way more than that. (laughs) So, yeah, I I am of the opinion that, again, unless the Rockies get super aggressive in the offseason and really do go get some big boppers in the outfield, they ought to leave Tapia as one of these potential driving engines, as one of these potential, you know, swing candidates who, yeah, maybe he has another... And you know what? If he has another year where he's just hitting 270, which just isn't enough for a contact guy and none of the other stuff has really jumped up in any other way, he's just exactly what he was in 2021, then you go you can still trade that player for exactly as much then as you could now and and get whatever, you know, he's again, it's not like his value is going to dramatically decrease either. It's chance it could dramatically increase, but it's I think we know what his floor is at this point. So give it a go. If it's not working out, then you can go in another direction, turn to a player like Ryan Belade, for example, and and see if maybe it's time to do that who does have more power potential. In the meantime, until your entire lineup is filled with guys that you feel confident and giving you a quality at bat, maybe don't get rid of one who regularly does. <laughs> that's that's kind of where I'm at on that. So we'll see. As always, let me know what you think down in the comment section here on the Patreon, uh, in the Discord channel, on Twitter, anywhere and everywhere. I want to hear your thoughts on... Raymond Tapia's career thus far or what your predictions are for him going forward. If you are one of the people that wants to trade him, I'm, I'm totally down to here. I would like to hear what you think you can you can get for him and and what you're going to do in the outfield after that. Remembering that, again, you're going to have that DH. And so if Charlie is taking a decent number of those at-bats and just every sign in the world suggests that he should be taking those at-bats, you, you need more outfielders not less outfielders <laughs> so uh that's that's kind of the puzzle that we're we're all working on together right and i know that the rockies front office even during the lockout are working on and thinking about those problems as well so let me know what you think keep being absolutely awesome out there you know i will keep being absolutely drew Creesman in here and until next time i will see you at the ballpark